Resur- Resurrection Sunday, right? Easter, no matter, don't let anybody tell you this, that Easter is not a pagan word. Easter uh, stems from the word oet. I can't say the Greek, but it's, it's spelled like oester, right? Which is really resurrection, right? So even when we say Easter, we're speaking about the resurrection. So this month, we are celebrating, right? As a nation, it's a national holiday, right? The resurrection of Christ. Everyone give a hand clap for that. That's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. I mean, like, we really got to think about that. How many people have resurrected from the dead? You know, that have actually lived. I'm not talking about, like, movies, you know. Like, I used to watch this show called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and there's this guy called Shredder, and, man, that dude would always raise from the dead, man. And I was like, mm, man, it's like a bad type of Jesus, right? But how many people have actually resurrected from the dead? No one. We can go th- down history. We can go through all these religious reports, all these religious leaders, all these people that say they know something, but this is the truth. At the end of the day, the only thing they're going to know is their grave. And this is one thing about Christ is that when we're thinking about Jesus, right, we have to understand is that when we look at his tomb, right, his tomb is empty, okay? So if we were to go to where they say Jesus' tomb is at, right, you would look in there and knock, knock, right? You would open it and it wouldn't, there would be no man in there, no dead man. There would be nothing in there. It's empty. And because his tomb is empty, our tomb is empty. And that's what I want us to understand this month. When we talk about the resurrection, right, we're not just talking about something that Christ did, right? It's something that Christ has done, and it continues to have an effect on us today. Because Christ lives, we live. And that's a big thing. And, and here's the thing. With the thing about the resurrection is uh, the only way Christ could resurrect is if what? He what? He died, right? And the only way he could have died is if he became a man. And why? why? Why does he have to become a man? Because death is a reality that we deal with, not God. See, God, right, he's perfect. He's, he's spirit, right? He doesn't have any sin in him. He wasn't affected by the fall. But the scripture says that Christ came in the form of sinful flesh. That means he came and took on our human flesh right? Almost like an astronaut, right? Puts on a space suit. He put on a flesh suit, okay? He put that on. Just like you would put on a pair of dirty socks. You know, you go in the laundry, you pull it up, and you're like, ah, is it clean or not? I don't know. We're going to see, right? Jesus put on this flesh, right? That had been tainted by this thing called death. Jesus could bleed. Jesus could die. And he did for us. Now, here's the thing. Death is a reality we have to deal with, right? And some of us deal with it differently than others. Some of us, we shy away from it. Some of us, we're kind of obsessed with it, right? Like we see videos of people dying, and we're just able to watch it like it's nothing. Like recently, I saw this. I, I didn't even see the video. I just, hearing about it, I hate it because there's this kid who goes on a roller coaster ride, and he falls off the roller coaster ride. And like, Literally, uh, there was a kid watching it right next to me, and he's just watching it like it's nothing. And I'm just like, I can't even watch that, right? But then you look at Ukraine, and, and they're just saying numbers, like people dying like it's nothing, right? Like, oh, 30 people have di- uh, 300 people have died. And it's just like nothing. It's just a t- uh, statistic. But imagine if every one of you died in this room right now. Just imagine that. 
right? It would be more than a statistic to your family. You see, death is probably one of the most normal occurrences we deal with. People die all the time. I mean, we see it on the news all the time. And uh, in, in, uh, what neighborhood was that? Babe, what's that neighborhood? It's really nice, and there was like three people there. Huh? Lakeview, right? Where Bree goes to, where's Bree? Right, right by where Bree goes to school. Pretty nice neighborhood. Three people were just shot over the weekend, right? Now, that popped up the screen, and it almost just seemed normal, right? But I'm telling you right now, if one of you were to die this weekend, it would not be normal to me. It would not be normal. Death is one of the strangest things we have to deal with, and it's one of the closest things to us. You talk about death sometimes, people don't care, but then when someone close to you dies, we realize just how severe it is. Death is something that we will all have to deal with if we haven't yet, all of us. Whether you you lose your dad when you're 10 or you lose your dad when you're 60, you're still going to deal with that thing called death. Now, and it's not just personal, but we see it all around us. Things die, people die, dreams die. We're living in a land of death. That's the reality of things. But... Here's the thing, death is not now and was not then God's intention. So when God created the world, he didn't create the world as a land of death. He created it giving life. There was life to things. There was life to man. There was life going on. However, death happened. And because of that, and we'll talk about that, all men are dead in their sins. All men. All men, and that includes women, right? I'll be more inclusive, right? All women don't escape this, right? People are dead in their sins. But this is, what, this is the good news, that Jesus, he actually took that death on our behalf. Jesus took that death on our behalf. These are three things we really have to understand, right? If we're going to be Christians in this life, and if we're going to be able to see uh, death for what it is, we have to understand that God did not intend death. And that, unfortunately, right, all men are dead in their sins, men and women, right? And that Jesus actually had to take this death from us. He had to. If we can go real quick uh, to the slides, the first slide uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 2. Now the other one, please. So we all are aware uh, of the Genesis story, right? How many of you ever read Genesis, seen it in maybe your, your children's book, right? God created the world in six days, right? And rested on the seventh, right? And on the first day, he did this. And the, How many of y'all read that, right? All right, everybody talk about, everybody say that word right there. What does it say? Die. Everybody say die. Everybody say die. All right. So, passion, okay. So, when we Think about the Bible, right? And we look at Genesis. God creates the world good. He gives everything to Adam and Eve. So he gives this world, right? This garden, this, this, this world right here, he gives it over to Adam and Eve. Because what does he give? He gives the animals. He gives the plants. He gives all of that to Adam and Eve. Well, that's, that makes up the world. He gives it to Adam and Eve. That was their responsibility. Now, this is what he says. One command, Right? He says, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly, all right, guys, can I hear it? Can I hear it? You will certainly die. You will certainly die. So Adam, 
is aware of this. He's saying, man, okay, God, you've given me every tree. You've given me, every, you've given me everything to do, right? I'm going to live this life, and I'm going to live it abundantly. I'm going to live it uh, carefree. Just imagine. I don't know if y'all in here actually are good with your flowers. My wife, just to put her on blast real quick, she is not good with her flowers, right? They last for about two weeks. She's getting better, though. She's getting better bit by bit. It's okay, love, right? But, hey, I'm not good with that stuff either. Gardening is not my thing. I want to get better one day. I want to have a little garden in the backyard, right? See me with the gloves. But imagine if you went to the garden, and then all of a sudden, the minute you planted something, the minute you watered something, you began to see it grow. It was almost effortless. Imagine if you went to a school and it was like all of a sudden like those movies and the, 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 like the equations were just working off your mind. Everything just came to you naturally. So this is how Adam and Eve were going to work. It was work that was restful. That's how Adam and Eve were going to work. It was a life full of rest, full of peace, full of, of joy, full of God's presence. God was there. Everything was set up, man, like this is a movie. This is like the end of a movie where they live happily ever after, except it's the beginning of the movie, and they're living happily ever after. Yet, this is what happens. There's a sneaky snake, the serpent, right? And he deceives Adam and Eve with something that they don't understand, right? They're saying that basically God is withholding more from them because they, he won't allow them to eat from this tree. That must mean God doesn't want them to be like him, right? Uh, big deception there. This is what happens. What's the result of their disobedience to God? Can we go uh, to the next slide? This is what God says, right? God now says you are cursed. So the result is a curse. And it says right here, cursed is the ground. Everybody say ground. Everybody right now, just stomp your feet three times. That's the ground, right? So because of you, so cursed is the ground because of who? God? Because of Eve, because of the serpent, no, cursed is the ground because of you. You see, God doesn't take ownership for this curse. He doesn't take ownership for what's going to uh, transpire. God does not take ownership over that. It was man's fault. Keep that in mind. Then he says, through painful toil, you will eat food. So once it was easy, now it's hard. It's, to it's, it's toilsome. It's, it's strenuous. It hurts, right? All the days of your life. You're going to be working all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Okay, so this ground was once good. This ground was once blessed. Now when people look at the ground, they're going to have to think about, man, I'm going to end up there one day. But it's not God's fault. It's man's fault. And you have to understand in this life, you may sin, and it will never be God's fault. Never. It will never be God's fault. You're, we are going to face consequences because of our own foolishness, Right? Because of the mistakes we made, and then sometimes we point back to God like, God, why'd you do this? God, why'd you do that? Listen, that's your fault. That's your fault. You're the one that screwed up. God was never the result of sin, never the reason for sin, and he was never the reason for death. It was our disobedience. That's what brought death. So God created this world good. 
man end up creating a land of death. Now, the result of this is all men now, they experience that. From dust they are till dust they return. And that's not just a physical thing because what did God say? Surely if you eat from this, you will what? Die, right? You'll die. But what? He's still talking to Adam and Eve. That's because this death is twofold. It happens inwardly in your, in your soul. Your spirit dies. And your flesh dies. And what that spirit that dies, right? What did God breathe into Adam? Right? He breathed in his spirit. He breathed in life. When you die now, you're cut off from that connection to God. So all of man now is cut off from God. Nothing but death. The ground is cursed. And this is the life that we live in. This is the world today. This is present world. This is how it is. That's why you have glow, uh, you know, climate problems and everything. That's why you have overpopulation. That's why you have all this nasty stuff is because man could not take responsibility. They failed. They sinned. Death enters through the world. It's not God's fault. God intended good. Man messed it up. Now there's death. Ephesians chapter 2. Say all men. Say all women too. So Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. It says right here that, let me see if I can get there before our good man. Nope, nope, right here. As for you, you were dead. Everybody say dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, everybody say all of us, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Everybody say deserving of wrath. See, there's a lie that's being said that everyone is good all the time, right? Instead of saying God is good all the time, we good all the time. And all the time, we good. Every time we're evangelizing, I'm like, hey, man, you know, you, hey, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Nah, man, I'm good. I'm straight. I'm good. I don't need him. Because in their hearts, they think they're good. They, and here's the thing. A lot of us, we can get it twisted too. A lot of us think we are deserving, not of wrath, but of God's goodness. We think we deserve to taste and see that the Lord is good. We think we deserve everything God has for us. We think we are so privileged. Like we need to have the best life. We can't have any problems. We can't have any faults. Nothing can be wrong with us or something's wrong with God. That's not true. We were all dead in our sins. All of us. All of us. We were just following the ways of the world. That was our life. And that is all of us. This is the direct result of the fall. Because Adam disobeyed God, there is death. Not just death, because you know people die and we have to go to their funerals, but even worse death. This is an even worse death. Because the truth of the matter is this, you're only going to live 60 to 70 years unless God you know, increases your life. But most people live about 80, maybe 70. That's it. I haven't met a single family member, my a single member of my family that has lived past seventy. I'm hoping you know my uncles will be the first, right? Hope they. I talk about that sometimes, and they're like, "Whoa!" Like I see them because they're pushing, pushing sixty now, and I'm like, "Whoa!" 
But honestly, I remember both my grandparents dying when they were in their 60s. I was six years old. I saw them both die the same year. My mother died when I was 10. She was 44. People die, right? People die, but there is a worse death because they lived. That's, that's praise God she even lived. But here's the thing. If you die separate from God, there's a life after this life. And there's a death after this death. If you die in this life separate from God, you're going to die again separate from God. It's like, you, you know, you think you made it out the scary part, right? Man, my life was crap. I can't wait to die. I hear that all the time. Man, my life is horrible. My life is bad. Man, why, God? Why? It's like, man, this life, if you don't serve God in this life, there's an even worse thing to happen. Jesus one time healed a blind man. And then he found the blind man after Right? And he's like, man, I see you can see now. He's like, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Jesus said that. What's that worse thing? Because there's a worse thing than the suffering in this life. And that's this, to be dead in your sin. To be dead in your sin. It is better to be a man that is limp, can't walk, he's lame, but he serves God, than to be an athlete in the NBA that doesn't know Jesus. See, it's, it's better to be a follower of Jesus, right, and maybe get persecuted, go through some things, right? Maybe you don't have as many friends. Maybe you miss out on some jobs. Then to be the most popular person in the world, get everything you want in this world, but not know Christ and be dead in your sins. You see, it's better to know God because you'll know life. If you don't know God, you'll have no life. You need to understand that in this land of death, there's only one thing that is promised to you that you are deserving of, and that's God's wrath. That is God's wrath. And all of us, everybody say all of us. All of us lived among them at one time. The people that were following the, king, the kingdom of this air, following the spirit that is at work among the disobedient. What's that spirit? That was the same serpent that was at work with Eve. The same serpent that was at work in Eve's heart deceiving her is the same spirit that is now deceiving some of you in this room. To be disobedient. To follow how this world is thinking. This world says you got to look this way. So I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm vain and I have vanity. Oh, the world says I got to get to the top. So I'm going to live with jealousy and envy. The world says I got to be a pervert. I can't live for God. So I'm going to do that. You're living just like Eve lived. And you're going to experience that same thing she experienced is death, separation from God. This is what we have to understand. Is that all of us, doesn't matter if you're born in church doesn't mean if you are a nice guy. I've had lots of Christians be very timid when it comes to preaching the gospel to their friends and their family because they're so nice. Because they're so nice. You know what nice unbelievers are? They're just tombs and graves with perfume sprayed on them. That's what they are. They just have a good scent to them. Oh, man. But they're as dead as bones. They're as dead as a grave. When you don't know Christ, you are dead. You are dead in your sins, dead in your transgressions, your transgressions. And transgressions is basically you broke trust with God. The same thing that Adam and Eve did, man, we do it all the time. We continue to break trust with God. We continue to do that because what do dead people do? They remain where they're at. They remain in their sin. They remain where they're at. 
They remain doing the same thing over and over again because they're dead. They can't change it. So all people were dead in their sins and transgressions. All of them. All of us. Myself included. Myself included. But. Everybody say but. Say but. See, this but right here is an important but because of his great love for us. Because of his great love for us. Hold up. Not your great love for him. Not because of what you did. Not because you started going to church. See, that doesn't take away God's wrath. You doing all these good things, you trying to be a nice person, you going to church, that doesn't take away God's wrath. It's only him by his great love that we can have freedom from sin, freedom from death, but now we can have grace. It's because of his great love. His great love, God, God, who is rich in mercy. We're poor in mercy. We're poor in love. We're poor in kindness. We're poor without God, but God, rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. You see, even when we were stuck in our sin, when we called on the name of Jesus, when we believed in Christ, when we have faith in him, we received this life. It is by grace you have been saved. So you have to understand this, that we were all dead in our sins, but it's God's great love that has made us alive. It's only his great love. And if you forget that, if you don't understand, if you don't get that, you're going to be just like everything you see in this land of death. You're going to experience death, not just when you know you, you, you close your eyes for the last time, right? But you're going to experience death in everything. You're going to experience death when you try to do discipleship in one-on-one. Well, you don't want to read the Bible. It's because you don't know the one who wrote, who, uh, who helped write the Bible. You, you, you don't want to pray because you don't know what you're praying to or who you're praying to. Oh, you, you don't want to serve people. You don't want to love people. It's because you've not experienced the one who loves. You see, if you don't realize that it is his great love that brings us alive in Christ, then you will remain dead in your sin. It's only once you realize that. I remember when I was 18, I, uh, 17, I was trying my best to be a Christian. My best to be a Christian. I mean, I gave it my all. I gave it my all. And I remember telling my friends, like, hey, you got to go to church. You got to go to Elevate. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I was trying my best. I was being as nice as I can to people. I even had a friend tell me, man, bro, you're like the nicest dude in this school. And I said, nah, bro, not really, because in my mind, I hate all of you. I really do. I got problems with all of you. And I told him that to his face. I said, this ain't, it, it really ain't me, bro. Inside, I, I am, there's something wrong with me. And I can't fix it. I can't change it. When I look at a girl, I can't help but lust and like it. When I, when I talk to people, I can't help but be jealous and crave what they have. When I'm nice to people, I can't help but be a two-faced person and really wish they would shut up and go away. I was dead in my sins. But then once I realized that God loved me still, that God cared for me still, that Jesus still died for me at that moment, I'm telling you, once I understood that, there was nothing I could do but call out to him. And he made me alive. But it wasn't free. Can we go to Hebrews chapter 2, 9? See, a lot of times we abuse this idea. We abuse this idea. Well, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. We sinned. Oh, Jesus died for me. So I'm good, right? I can continue in sin. 
I can continue. No, you're, you're, you're just stuck in your sins. Still. Just, if you think like that, just understand that's what people who are dead in their sins think like. That's who people think like if they're dead in their sins. Jesus called religious hypocrites. Like people use that excuse. They are whitewashed tombs. That means they're just tombs that look nice. Still got a dead person inside. You can work out. You're still dead. You're still a dead man. You're just you're a swole tomb. That's it. You can, you can dress up. Man, you just, you're just a tomb that looks nice on the outside. You're from a, a, you're from a rich family. Man, you, you're, you're a fancy tomb. You're still a tomb, still dead. Right? We got to get this. Jesus, verse 9, yet at, a pres- at, at present when we do not see everything subject to him, but we do see Jesus. Everybody say, see Jesus. See, Jesus, he's over everything. We have to understand that. Jesus, he's over everything. Jesus wrote, uh, yes, stay at verse 9. Jesus is over everything. He's over this world. He's over governments. He has more power than anyone you could ever think of. Anyone. Yet we don't see that. We really don't. We don't see everything subject to him. We don't see everything now saying, man, Jesus is my Lord. But we do see Jesus and who he is. Who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Now crowned with glory. Because he suffered death. Everybody say suffered death. Everybody say suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he may taste death for everyone. See, I don't even get you. I don't even understand you. I don't think you guys get this. That's the sad thing. I don't think you guys get this. When I think about Jesus and what he suffered for me, I can go through anything. I can go through anything, and I will not turn my back on God. Not because I'm some kind of noble guy, not because I'm a super Christian, but it's because how can I turn away from someone who suffered death for me? How can I turn away from Jesus? How can I not take this serious? How can I just treat it like a passive thing? How can I not make this the most important thing in my life, following Christ? How can I not say to him, you are crowned with glory? It's because I don't understand that he suffered death. You see, Jesus entered this land of death. He entered it. The God of heaven, the one who was ruler over all things, he lowered himself lower than angels. He became a lowly man. And he walked, saw people die, saw people cry, saw people wept, lost people, was betrayed, was pierced, was put a crown of thorns on his head and bled, and he suffered it. He tasted that death for everyone, for everyone. People that rejected him, people that put him on that cross, people that put the crown of thorns on him, pierced his hands, Put him up there. He tasted death for them. He tasted death for you. The person who's apathetic, the person who scoffs at God, the person who came and read their Bible or pray for three minutes, the person who struggles with the same sin over and over, he tasted death for you. He tasted death for you. The one who spat in his face, he tasted death. You see, we, going back to earlier, a lot of us, we think we deserve to taste and see God's goodness. We think we can continue to live in sin, continue to do what we're doing, and still say we're good with God. It's ridiculous. 
The only way you can taste and see that God is good is because Christ tasted death. That's the only reason. And listen, and, and, and think about this. We want to live a life better than Christ. If you can't see the life of Christ and say, I want to represent that, I want to emulate that, I want to do that, then you can't follow him. You can't follow him. Jesus spoke the truth, even if people hated him. Jesus obeyed the Father, even if he didn't feel like it. Jesus was willing to surrender everything to the Father's will, even if it, co- even if it costed him his life. Yet we're so ignorant, so arrogant, so prideful in this place that we're willing to come to Friday every week. We come to Elevate every week, come to Sunday. Our our parents are in the church. A lot of you, I'm looking at you. You know this stuff, yet you don't do this stuff, which means you don't believe in what Christ did. If If this isn't the pinnacle of your life, the most important thing in your life, then it means nothing to you. It means nothing. You're still dead in your sins. If you look at your life and you look at what Christ did and you say, yeah, I'll keep my life. Listen, I'm letting you know you're dead in your sins. You're done. You need to repent. And we all have an opportunity. We all have an opportunity. What Christ did for everyone is efficient for everyone. That means it's able to save everyone. So there's a lot of people that say, man, I tried that. It didn't help me. I tried that. It didn't work. Because you're so busy stuck on a religion and doing things that you haven't looked and saw Jesus. You don't see Jesus. All you do is see things to do. See people to please. See people to praise. You don't see Jesus. You're just seeing what you can, you can get a pat on your back for doing something. You can just get people off your back. So you can just hide in your sin. You don't see Jesus. You see excuses. Try to justify yourself. This is an issue in Elevate. This is an issue with a lot of you. And if you don't get right, if you don't take this serious, you are not only going to fall away, right? You're not even going to remember who Jesus is. You're not going to remember anything he did for you. There's people I know that came to this youth group. They left. They're, they're, they don't, they're not concerned at all about Christ. They are dead in their sins. And why am I telling you that? Because that is a judgment from God. Jesus said that he came to make people who claim to see blind and people that are blind see. You got to see if you're so prideful, you think you know everything, you think you see everything, you think you can do it all all by yourself, you're blind and dead in your sins. You need to come to Christ. You need to come to Christ. You see, because he tasted death. This death that we see everywhere, he tasted it. He lived it. We can't put the onus back on God. We can't say, God, I'm doing this because of you. I'm suffering because of you. Jesus suffered worse than you. Jesus suffered worse than anybody. How do you go from the highest highs to the lowest lows? Willingly, because you want to. That's what Jesus did for us. If I can have Daryl come up, please. We can turn to Psalm 23, uh, King James Version, please. Psalm 23, verses, verse 4, says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, in this land of death, the only constant presence that you're going to have is Jesus. Everything else will leave you. Everything else will die and desert you. You may say, well, I got my family. Listen, my mom died. Your family ain't going to be here forever. Man, I got my friends. My friends were as about as, as constant as, uh, as the, the gas prices in Chicago, right? The last four years. They've been going up and up, down and down. Listen, they're not dependent. Nothing is dependent but Christ. Christ, he's that person that will walk with you in the shadow of death, this land of death. When you're going through problems, when you're experiencing the actual death in your life, right? Relationships dying, uh, dreams dying. Man, there's people that they thought they, had, they were going to live some way, then the door closed. That was their whole purpose of life. Who do they turn to? You? They turn to Jesus. We have to understand right now in this place, that Jesus wants to walk with us. He wants to walk with us. He doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want you walking in front of him, like away from him. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to comfort you. But if you don't want it, he won't do that. He's not going to be a stalker. Jesus is not a, a heavenly stalker. Making sure that you are following him 24-7. Making sure, no, no, Jesus, he's comforting you with the rod and the staff. That means he's saying, hey, no, don't do that. Conviction. Hey, no, don't do that. No, that will lead to death. And how is he able to do that? Because he actually walked this life. If I can everybody stand up, please, and the altar workers. Listen, the, the ground is cursed. Life, this land is cursed. That's true. There are problems that get worse. You know, sometimes we see things get better. Then we see things get worse. Listen, that's, that's a part of life. That's a part of life. But we have to remember what Jesus did, right? Jesus, his tomb is empty. He has life. He tasted death, and he gives us life. It's by his great love that we can receive that life. So we need to understand a few things. Like I was saying earlier, we need to understand that we are all dead in our sins until we give our life to Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. There is no good person. The only good one is God. It doesn't matter if the people around you are good people. If they don't know Christ, I'm not talking about just claiming to be a Christian. If they don't know Jesus, they're dead in their sins. We have to understand that. If you can't deal with that, then you can't deal with the teachings of Christ. They're not what the culture says. The culture says everyone is good, perfect the way they are. Christ says you are imperfect and you need a savior. I'm your savior. See, we need to be grateful and understand of what happened when Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, sure, you can say, yeah, Jesus died for me. What did he do? What did that do to you? What did that do to you? Not just for you. What did it do to you? Yes, Jesus died for you, but it's something that needs to happen to you. Some of y'all need to understand what happened in baptism. When you got baptized, born again, not in the water. The water is a symbol of that. When you got born again, you died. You died, and now there's a new man that lives, and that person lives in Christ. Until the one that was dead in their sins dies for good, 
you're still going to be stuck in your sin. You need to be made alive in Christ. You need to be born again. Understand what Jesus did for you on that cross. And then you'll understand what he did to you now. Now, we need to look at death in the world and pray for God's will to be done. You're saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm born again. But, but you don't ever reach out to people. You see a hurting world and nothing causes you in your heart to say, man, they need Christ. I need to, I need to show them the light. I need to show them who Jesus is. You see people dead in their sins, and yet you leave them there. You leave them there. We need to have a heart like Christ, who when he saw the crowds dead in their sins, right, he had compassion on them. We need to have compassion in this place. We need to be able to see our friends, no matter our, our, our neighbors, our, our, not even our friends, man. We need to be able to see everyone. People that don't hang out with the people we hang out with. People that are on the complete opposite side of the people we would talk to. We need to see them and say, man, Christ can save them. And we need to pray and move. I mean, if Christ is willing to talk to tax collectors and prostitutes, the lowest of the lows, and say, follow me, who are we? We need to be able to see the land of death and be able to bring forth life with the gospel. Now, if everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes, listen, if you are still dead in your sins, you need to look to Jesus for your salvation. Nothing else can bring you life. Drop the excuses. Stop trying to justify yourself. Stop trying to find another solution. Christ is the only way. Give your life to him. Surrender. And if you are born again, if you are alive in Christ, but you see death around you, I want you right now to receive a calling in your life. I want you to ask God, God, send me. Send me to this land of death. I want to see your life. I want to see your purposes and your plans in these people's lives. I want you to pray those prayers. I want you to write down those prayers. Think about people in your life right now, places in your life right now that you know there's nothing but death. And ask the Lord to send you. And you may suffer. You may suffer the loss of friends. You may suffer the loss of of, 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 uh, popularity. You may suffer things. But it's worth it because Jesus suffered death. And if you need prayer for anything else, you can come up. The altar is open. I want you guys to pray these things. Take it serious. to Jesus God is rich in mercy he has enough mercy for you if you surrender God's mercy is enough for you he will change you you have to surrender though keep nothing from him withhold nothing from him give it all to him
Father, we thank you, Lord. God, we can't thank you enough, Lord. We can't thank you enough, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord. You're so rich in mercy, God. Your love is so great, God. Father, I pray that all of us would be caught up in your love, Lord. So many people in this generation are caught up in gossip, caught up in trouble, caught up in, in selfish ambitions, caught up in their own thing, Lord. May we all be caught up in your love, Lord. May your spirit, may your spirit change us today, Lord. May we want to see life in this world. May we want to see your goodness in this world, Lord. God, change us. Change the way we see people. Change the way we see you, Lord. Let us not look at you like an unbeliever. Let us look at you as people that have experienced the cross. Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking. I pray that we would all listen to you, that we would hear your word and obey you, God. That we would trust you with everything, Lord. Thank you. Amen, amen. You guys are dismissed. You guys uh, can go to the foyer, but if you still need prayer, please come up. We want to pray for you guys.